No, Thursday night, April 9th, my 38th birthday. Happy birthday. In quarantine. It's or been a little s- bit of a bummer of a birthday. It's been f- fine. I'm alive. You're alive. You know, I have a job you. and I'm healthy. And uh, you I know. had these great plans that I was going to actually go to the grocery store today and get the stuff to make Joel a banana pudding. Mm. But just a country boy at heart. Country, just a country just boy at heart. Oaky, an oaky at heart here. Oaky at heart. But uh, I had a medical procedure go pretty badly awry, uh, and so I didn't get to the grocery store. So that was sad. But oh, I well. can't complain. <laughs> I got health. I, I can complain. My arm's you can all complain. swollen. Go ahead. Complain away. Complain, complain away. All right. Uh, let's just go ahead and jump right into Wollstonecraft. Hopefully y'all have been uh, enjoying that reading and hopefully uh, this will help clarify and just give you a chance to uh, hear some discussion about the about the ideas in the text. So you can just start us off. All right. I have a quote here to start that's from page 145. 
where she says, Without taste, excepting of the lighter kind, for taste is the offspring of judgment. How can they discover that true beauty and grace must arise from the play of the mind? And how can they be expected to relish in a lover what they do not or very imperfectly possess themselves? I think what she means there, the they, is uh, women. Ah, gotcha. Okay. They is women in that particular one. Sorry, I could address that one up a little for you. What do you um? What so do you know? Women who don't have taste, except of the lighter kind, because taste is the offspring of judgment, which comes from reason. Mm-hmm. 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 I mean, that seems patently false. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean? Taste comes from judgment. Comes from reason. <laughs> I mean, I feel like this is like. I like what I like. Like, it has nothing to do with reason in so many cases. I mean... What are you talking about? What has nothing to do with reason? Taste. 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 Yeah. You think taste has think nothing taste to do with reason? I think taste regularly has little you know, to do with she, reason. She's a bit of a Platonist, and so there's the true, the beautiful, and the good are kind of all merged there for her, right? So taste for Wollstonecraft would be a kind of intellectual... Right, but what she's really saying is that if you actually have the sense to understand the true, the beautiful, and the good, that is taste. I mean, isn't it? (laughs) (laughs) I I think this is my point, though, right? I mean, whose taste? Whose taste are we talking about? I don't know. There are standards of beauty. There are standards standards of of truth, and there are standards of goodness. Yeah. And they all come from reason, right? You just see this kind of platonic view of reason right, for sure. her here, right? That reason is about ordering the soul, right? I mean, just as it was for Plato, it is for her too. And that means in part like how you organize your passions, right? How you right. organize your appetites just like for Plato, right? That sure. you, you, you would choose, you choose a bad, I mean, here's what she says. If you don't have a developed reason, if you don't have a, a, a well-ordered soul, you choose a bad husband, right? right? Isn't that what this says? Yeah. You'll have bad taste in men. Or you appreciate, uh, this gets back to the thing that I think that we were uh, having some dispute about the last time, which is that I feel like She's actually partly saying that you appreciate the wrong thing in the man. You do. Whether or not you picked the wrong man, what mm-hmm. you appreciate about him is wrong. Correct. Yeah, I think that's right. I think that's right. Why is that? What do you tell me a little bit more about what you're thinking there? Well, I mean, one could imagine this, the politics in this in a lot of different ways, mm-hmm. right? I mean, if we think mm-hmm. about this as like, I think the reason I guess it matters is like if this is just saying that women pick lousy husbands because they're dumb, there's like, <laughs> right? Yeah, I, I don't mean, think that's what she's saying. I mean, I well, don't think that's exactly what she's saying, but go ahead. Go ahead. I mean, kind go of. On, go but on. If that, so, but if that was what she was saying, it's actually not, there's not much utility to that politically, right? Okay. There isn't much use in like being like, well, dopes pick bad husbands, you know, like, <laughs> I mean, like, this is just not. All right. Okay, that's like not very political. Okay. But if what she's saying you could extrapolate and take more broadly, which is that we often appreciate the like lighter things or sort of the wrong things in Mm -hmm. people, you could extrapolate that for sure to thinking about leadership and thinking about right all kinds of things that what we appreciate is maybe the charismatic and what we appreciate is the like – 
powerful, but oh, like yes, the sort of view of power, but like that that is actually not what makes a good person more broadly, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, so in this case, what she's concerned about perhaps is people's husbands, but I mean, we could think about that as more broadly, especially mm-hmm. if we were going to try to take lessons for the modern era where maybe a woman's husband does not actually may not exist and may not be right. the most important Certainly relationship not. or whatever. Certainly um, In someone, in one's life, right? Um, so, yeah, I think if we're taking it that way, then I think we could think about, you know, what it is when we, you know, use our lighter tastes or our bad tastes or our whatever to pick. And if we're thinking about this in the platonic way, when we step away from reason and virtue and the right, good. Right, and let appetite sort of make desire for desire for glory. Power and, yeah, mm-hmm. that, then that becomes like a bad, <clears throat> a bad Bad choice. Bad choices. But bad, bad choices. choices politically, not just like, don't marry a loser. Right. Right. But I mean, also don't marry a loser. Right. I mean, that's part of the politics that she's dealing with. Right. Yeah. And that's important. The preponderance too. of losers. Losers are. Yeah. For a lot men of and for women. I mean, yeah, sure. Could, everyone could choose, you know. Poorly. Poorly or well, you know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So. All right, what's, what's next? What's All right, 157. Next? It is vain to attempt to keep the heart pure unless the head is <laughs> furnished with ideas. Oh, right. Some mental furniture. You need some <laughs> of that good <laughs> mental furniture. Yeah, that's a good. Our daughter, who's nine, had to come up with a, a proverb. I feel like that sounds a little bit like a proverb right there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It is vain to attempt to keep the heart pure unless the head is furnished with ideas. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You guys could say that when someone says something at the next cocktail party that you're at when we're off of <laughs> Okay, so it's vain to attempt to keep the heart pure unless the head is furnished with ideas and set to work to compare them in order to acquire judgment by generalizing simple ones and modesty by making the understanding damp the sensibility. Okay, wait. So I understand the first part. Mm-hmm. You got to have reason to gotta tame the appetites. Reason I mean, to tame. We've gotten, we're pretty clear on that here with. Mm-hmm. And set to work to compare them. The heart? I don't understand what we're comparing. Let In me vain attempt, I don't know what we're comparing. What's the reference there? Fain to keep the heart pure unless the head is furnished with ideas and set to work to compare them. Perhaps the ideas in order to acquire judgment. Compare oh, okay. the ideas and acquire okay. judgment. You know, she's big on this that like women get some common sense. Mm-hmm. right? I, I think you read this the last time. If you didn't read it the last time, it's on one of the PowerPoint slides where she says, you know, women get common sense but don't really get understanding. right? And that there's a big difference between storing up Little right, they know how to darn a sock, and they know how to like when to mend and to like I don't know, or just have have uh, other kinds of common sense, perhaps about organizing household. Right, well, that's what I was saying. Yeah. Oh, oh, sure. Yeah, I guess I was thinking that was more like lower class than oh, right, than the than what she's about the elite. Talking sure, about, sure, right? sure. How to right, manage yeah, yeah. servants how to manage or something. <laughs> right, but don't really have right. an understanding of, and don't have therefore judgment. Right. That's, I think, what she's talking about. Is sure. that a capacity to compare things and to make distinctions and judgments rather than just sort of collecting little bits of, of common sense. Mm-hmm. And all of that damps the sensibility. Another word 
she uses or to talk about or passions right. or sensations. Yeah, I it's a, that. yeah I good. That yeah, well, it's a it's she uses she has so many words for that awful part of ourselves. <laughs> what she seems to think is like a really dangerous part of ourselves. Modern feminists must not really be so into her. Well, she's complicated. Um, I don't know where I don't know where Wollstonecraft stands among certainly among lefty political theorists in the contemporary like at the APT conference that I was at mm-hmm. a professional political theory conference uh, in the fall. I don't think I saw a single Wollstonecraft paper. Right. Because, I mean, I feel like that part of one of the things that happened in the more contemporary feminism was that, like, actually emotions are fine. <laughs> the body came back in. The body but came a lot back of in. People emotions will, came back in. A lot of people will credit Wollstonecraft. You know, a lot of people at Notre Dame really Obviously, like yeah, Wollstonecraft. Yeah, yeah. It's just, it's just She's so you know, it's a very, She's yeah, it's a very stuffy. Uh, it's a very stuffy political theory department at Notre Dame. Um, yeah, I'm but, not saying she's bad. I just uh, that was not a. I mean, it's just that sort of sense of that pushing away. Well, here's what's interesting, though, is that the way that many contemporary feminist political theorists will see Wollstonecraft as making one of the first arguments for this kind of personal being political. Right, because right, she talks so much about the relationships. She talks about the relationships, but she also talks about like the inner life of women. Oh, interesting. Right? Like, okay. I mean, mm-hmm. part of what she's talking about there when she's talking about that store of common sense and she's talking about the understanding, she's talking about the passions and she's talking about their fondness for dress or whatever, right? right? She's talking about the interior life of women as being shaped by political circumstances. Right. And so a lot of, I mean, yeah, she's stuffy. She's just sort of shaming it. <laughs> Well, she's saying that. Well, what, what she's what she's saying is, what do you expect? Right. What would you expect right. of? A yeah, group but of... as though that all of those pursuits are lower. Right. Right. I mean, yeah, there's oh, no sense clear. that right that like that the, like that the emotional could possibly be have something to like give to public life or to you know. No, 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 no. It's great grist for reason. You just yeah. That's it's the raw. I mean, it's not even the raw material. It's something that reason is able to channel into the proper right. places right. and become useful. I mean, I mean, again, like, like this is like I mean of the time, right? Making the argument that women should be thought of as a capable of reason is this uh, radical <laughs> proposal. So. Yes, yes, seems to remain so. Yeah. Right? No, I mean, Since we have what's our uh, presidential race looking like, right? right? No. To no, no, no. daughters. Old, old dudes. Right? Um, yeah. All right, 174. Women are, in common with men, rendered weak and luxurious by the relaxing pleasure which wealth produce, oh, procures. <laughs> sorry. I wish I was rendered weak and luxurious by the relaxing <laughs> pleasures wealth procures. That sounds fine, right? Sounds awesome. Sounds dope. Um, but added to this, they are made slaves to their Ooh. persons Whoa. and must render them alluring that man may lend them his reason to guide their towering steps aright. Tottering, okay. I'm sorry. It should probably be tottering oh, steps. tottering. Yes, tottering steps steps would be, that would be bold. That would be something. Um, okay, wait. So, but added to this, they're made slaves to their persons and yes. must render them, I guess that's their persons. Their persons. Alluring. Alluring, yes. That Okay, are we talking about women again? Okay, women so that man render. may lend them his reason to guide their tottering steps. All right. Okay, yes. yeah, sure, got it. Okay. okay. Or should they be ambitious? They must govern their tyrants by sinister tricks, 
For without rights, there cannot be any incumbent duties. Yes. Oh, I like that. That's fun. You like that? What do you like about that? Well, I mean, in a way, it's like setting up some of the stuff that I feel like, I mean, we still have some of these problems, I think, in the modern conception of women is that like the, the woman that has ambition is like conniving and like. Don't talk about Hillary yeah. Clinton like that. <laughs> Right, I mean, that's what you is that partly what you're, yeah. Like I mean, in general, example. right? I think that there's like absolutely this sort of sense that, like, you know, I mean, yeah, yeah, but I think that that, that it's like that when you can't, when you're not actually supposed to be playing on the ground of reason, which is the ground of the public and the ground of men, and you right, know, the sort of that, then ambition has to be channeled other ways which means sinister tricks and you know you don't actually have the duties that come with public life and so you're just like sneaky and manipulative mm -hmm. and right you know whatever right right yeah right on you like that one right on mary you like that one yeah i still might like to be rendered weak by the luxurious wealth or whatever all right, page still one. waiting for that. Still, still waiting for that. Still waiting. Shouldn't have married a country boy. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, one for more means than this one. <laughs> so, neither of us did real well on that count. All right, one no, we did wonderfully. wonderfully. We have because we picked based on what are we? What were we supposed to pick on? Good on reason. On reason. On reason. We picked on reason. Not we have friendship. These, no sinister tricks. No sinister tricks. <laughs> no sinister tricks here. All right, page 151. The woman who has dedicated a considerable portion of her time to pursuits purely intellectual and whose affections have been exercised by humane plans of usefulness must have more purity of mind as a natural consequence than the ignorant beings whose time and thoughts have been occupied by gay pleasures or schemes to conquer hearts. Mm. What do you make of that one? I mean, here she's just <laughs> she's just saying that the ladies that are thinking are better. That's exactly what she's saying. I mean, a thinking woman is better. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it seems clear. Yeah. Maybe. What do you think about that? I have a PhD. <laughs> <laughs> Good. I mean, this has been really funny to <laughs> to to have you look at this text because I feel like. You know, uh, I mean, these are interesting <laughs> quotes, and I feel like what happens is you just look at this and you're like, yep, next. Next. It's very funny to me. Toss this one aside already. Well, what would you make of it? If I'm your student and I'm like, oh, good, I lost it. I tossed it into a pile. What would you like push us well, what on? Kind of concepts are you, what kind of concepts do you see thrown together there? Where do we go? Oh, gay pleasures. Gay pleasures. So you want to focus on the gay pleasures. Well, that's just what I recognize that I had the right one. Yeah, oh, okay. Um, I mean, you I got mean, you've got purely pure, intellectual pursuits. Purely intellectual pursuits. Contrasted with affections. With affections. Okay. What else? You have usefulness. Humane plans of usefulness. You have purity of mind. Purity of mind. And then you have these like lame ignorant beings. Lame ignorant beings. Yeah, I mean, and I mean they've got schemes too. I mean, schemes. you see these schemes all over the place, right? See, they're scheming. Like, 
Yeah, you've got nothing else but your They're schemes. conniving, scheming, totally manipulators. Manipulative, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think that what I what I sort of focus on there is the way that she ties purity of mind to humane usefulness. Sure. Right? That sure. part of what gives you purity of mind is not just a developed intellect, but the capacity to put those those intellectual pursuits to some wider universal use. So, sure. right, this is this is where she's expanding outside of the idea of just being in the household. Like she's right. not you just looking for a smart uh, yeah. wife that like right. doesn't still think of her husband as a lover, right? Like she's talking right. about someone who who is contributing to right. the human condition. Right, which I think is a, and that's what grants the purity of mind. Right. Right. Like that's part it's like it's like an alchemical thing where your developed reason meets social need. Sure. And then and that that union there is what creates that kind of purity of mind that she's right. talking about. I mean, it seems like so much of this that I see in here as I like read these arguments. To me, it does strike me as this part, even though there's so much of it is about husbands, is like what it would be if a woman had a public. Exactly. I mean, I, like, exactly. I, I brought that up in some of these other ones that weren't maybe as explicitly saying that. Yes. But I mean, I, th- I think I've, I feel like that is like an underlying thing in all of this is like that, yeah. that kind of lack of a public and. Well, it's the amazing. And, you know. Hopefully, hopefully we'll have a little bit more to say on this in after we read a couple more, because I think it's an amazing tension in the text where she can't quite come out and say it. Right. And right. why she can't quite come out and say it is not entirely clear because of the way she kind of because of the way she rhetorically constructs her restraint from saying that women need to have a public sure. role. Right. You don't know. You don't know why she's holding back, mm-hmm. right? Is it because it's 1792 and the idea of the rights of woman was a joke? Right, right. Like literally a joke? Yeah. Or, I mean, I'm not joking. No, no, like, yeah. It was literally, ha, 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 like men right. at the fucking salons and cafes would be like, oh, the rights oh, of women. woman. What a joke, right? Yeah. Um, and so is it because it's so radical or is it because she is – herself a little bit constrained by the horizons of thought that are available at that time right, or both or I both mean, right i mean it doesn't it's not an yeah. either or situation right so i think that's what i like about that particular passage is that you see those glimmers shining through all over the place especially when she's talking about the purity of mind and especially around the places where she's pitching this is like I see that one as like a really Protestant thought too, right? Yeah, like it's yeah, all the about usefulness, plans humane plans for the useful. It's a very, very Protestant, Protestant work ethic kind of thing. I mean, I'm predisposed to see that everywhere. No, but, but it's pretty clear. I mean, but, you know, um, it, it's 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 like the it's like the it's the vocation kind of. It's right? absolutely it has about like a, a vocation, kind of human, women's like, vocation, yeah. and the women's vocation is just as is just as wide. As right. as would be men's because they're children of God too, uh-huh. right? Right. Okay. So so that's what I like about that particular passage is the way that it 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 shows those glimmers even when you're looking at like I think what we might conceptualize as some of the most retrograde parts of her thought where she's like really sure, getting into sure, souls yeah, and vocations yeah. and blah 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 where you see those glimmers of like but what that also means is well and I don't even think that has to be those parts have to be retrograde they're just of a 
it's like the language that people had to talk about these sure, things where, I mean, sure. we could imagine those things being talked about in a different way that would yeah. seem more modern, right? How I mean, will we talk about things in 200 years? Yeah, I mean, right? I mean, that is crazy know? to think about. Totally. Crazy to think. Like, what concept do you think now in 200 years will be completely bananas? I mean, probably most of them, right, will be like – and like some of them will – seem offensive and some of them just will seem quaint like oh look at this with the souls do you think, <laughs> do you think that in 200 years i mean we might all be the species careful <laughs> careful we don't want to bring anyone down here right it's my birthday right but do you i mean here's the question that i think is relevant here and, and maybe you know out there in the listening public you could think about this um Will we still really have, like, will the categories of gender make sense in 200 years? I mean, maybe not. Maybe like, not. the youth are blowing that shit up. So, blowing I mean, it up. they'll be like, look, isn't that funny? They felt like they were men, <laughs> they and, were women. men and women. That's crazy. And, like, it was cool that they were, like, allowing men and women to, like, be a little bit more, like, free. But, but like, look at still... this dopey things they used to write. Like, yeah, no, I mean, surely. I just think that, I don't know. I mean, I don't know of that, but, like, right over. I mean, there's definitely going to be tons of areas where, I mean. So many. So many. So many. I mean, will we, what will we, I mean, what words will we use to describe work? In 200 years. Will yes. we do work in 200 years? I, I mean, will we, we do? We might be all bots or something. Well, we might be all robots or what? I don't know. Anyway, let's keep moving here. Okay, let's 170. For man is so constituted that he can only attain proper use of his faculties by exercising them and will not exercise them unless necessity of some kind first set the wheels in motion. Okay. What do you see in there? What do you see in there? I, this one just makes me have a lot of questions because what exactly mm-hmm. is a necessity? Like, does she clarify this in any other sentences? Like, what does she have in no, mind? Not to my knowledge. What... Not to my knowledge. I mean, like, fine. I feel like that. this is also sounds like, I mean, maybe I'm just primed to think of Proverbs since, you know. I tried to pick out shorter ones. since. No, they're good. I like those shorter better. Yeah, it's easier okay. to, like, actually not get so bogged um you weren't a jane austen reader were you i was not no um i mean oh what i was gonna say is this part where i mean the like you can only you know contain proper use through exercise is mm-hmm. like i mean that just seems like a platitude that apparently has been going for still 200 years i mean we still think mm-hmm. that but i don't Do understand you, you seem to you seem to have some skepticism. No, I think that. I guess. I mean, I like practice violin with my kid every single day. Right. You know. Right. We're like attain proper use of the faculties by exercising them. Yes. Um, Compelled by some necessity. Yeah. But that's the part I don't understand. I mean, I'm not sure that we're actually compelled by any necessity to practice the violin every day. Or any of our faculties, right? Yeah. I mean. I don't know. I, we could just sit around, I suppose. I mean. The necess- I'm trying to think. I mean, I, I suppose that... Faculties of reason, if you don't have anything to put your reason to, to, if you're just sitting around your gilded cage like the feathered race, as she talks about elsewhere, right? Do you remember right. Maybe books? this is more about like having a public or something, having a public life. I don't know. I mean, I guess that I... Having a need to use your reason. Yeah, but I guess I don't understand. I mean... You don't understand what that would mean? Yeah, that I mean, you've seems- been working as a professor for like nearly 20 years now so your your job is using your mind my job is using my mind and i mean i do 
some of that, in fact, because I want to get paid, which is my necessity. Right. 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 But I don't. I'm just talking about like if you were if you if you were in an occupation because she's obsessed with this, right? If you were in an occupation, like what if you didn't work? Do you think you would be as sharp of mind? I mean, it seems like that's partly what she's saying. Right. Right. Certainly. Like, well, I mean, I think more actually. I mean, and she's probably actually not thinking about this problem, but I think more of like Jane Adams here. Where it's like in Jane Adams, nineteenth century American. Yeah. Thinker. Sorry. Everyone. If you take Joel's, take take, take Gov two forty nine, you'll read a lot. Well, you read some Jane Adams. You're, not a ton, some. but as much as you want. I love her. She's great. Um, but what were we talking about? You were talking about exercise, using the mind, exercise, and reason. Does it? Would you be as sharp? Oh, oh! I know what I was thinking about. I was thinking about the um, like the. Tedious labor. Tedious labor. Right, more so because I feel like if I was like yeah. luxuriating in my wealth or we whatever, we talk about this all the time, don't yeah, we? Yeah, like I'm like I think I could still be pretty damn sharp. We'd be really good. Rich I'd people. be really great. I'd be like creative. I'd do some awesome stuff. I'd like. You and know. What, but what Wollstonecraft says is, no, you wouldn't. I know she does, and maybe she's right, but we don't know. I don't know because I never. Be happy, I would be trying. Would be I do an to experiment. Test it out. Would I'd, be happy yeah. to do an experiment if you know anyone. I could think my thoughts. I could read books. I could, you know, make some art that was weird. I mean, it'd be good. But I think if so, that one maybe she's right. Maybe she's wrong. I don't know. We can't really. I can't really say. Though I can say, from having worked tedious jobs, mm-hmm. that in those moments it is much harder to. Exer- whatever exercise your faculties when you're, or whatnot. When, when you're no like, necessity. But but you're exhausted, right? So it's like your day is filled with no necessity but is filled. So you don't really have a choice about how it's filled. Right. And then, um, you know, you're tired and you don't necessarily want to exercise your faculties in some – Yeah. You want to sit on the couch and yeah. eat a carton I, of ice, ice cream or something. Eat a carton of ice cream. That sounds nice. <laughs> Uh, I just thought this one was nice because it. I think it helps develop a, a, a part of why she thinks that having useful employments, having that, that why and how one's profession or occupation or employments has such a decisive impact on one's character, right? Sure. Insofar as without a kind of occupation or employment that uses your reason and develops your reason, which she is like that's so important to her then that capacity or faculty of your soul shrivels. Sure. Right. Sure. All right. Let's move on. We've got another theme developing here, I think. All right. So 171. There must be more equality established in society, or morality will never gain ground. And this virtuous equality will not rest firmly, even when founded on a rock. If one half of mankind be chained to its bottom by fate, for they will be continually undermining it through ignorance or pride. Yeah, this is a weird one, huh? I think it's a weird one. All right. So we need equality for morality. Yep. Okay. We need equality for morality because... Equality, but not because. But this virtuous equality will not rest firmly... Even when founded on a rock. Even when founded on a rock. If one half of mankind be chained to its bottom by fate. So, I mean, that this makes sense to me just in knowing what I know about politics of 
the, these early like democracies, which all of you may know from your courses, right, is that like all of the public life, which had often language and features of equality, only were speaking of men and only speaking often of a subset of men. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, she's concerned with women, but there was plenty of people that were excluded. So these discussions of equality and their virtue you know, equality was lauded, but we really weren't talking about everyone, right? Like, mm-hmm, only mm-hmm. some people got mm-hmm. to be equal. Mm-hmm. Um, so that keep going seems to make sense. Um, but then she Why turns is it, a it threat? yeah, Why she turns it, a threat? it kind Why of is interestingly. A threat? I mean, this is that part where when you ask, like, is she constrained by her time, or is she doing the like? What What do the Straussians say that they're like the esoteric, like that they're like doing some. They have to speak with. Uh, like, I, I don't. Yeah. I'm not a Straussian, so I don't know. But the, it's like they speak in code. Yeah, because here it's like it's almost like themselves. she's making a. I mean, I like this too. It's almost like she's making the conniving argument or whatever. Um, but that for for they the presumably this half the women mm-hmm. that are chained to the bottom mm-hmm. um, will be continually undermining that equality, virtuous equality virtue. through ignorance or pride. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's like almost like your shit is ruined. If you let, if you put these people in this position, because then they are bringing you down, kind of. Right. I think it's a. I think it's an interesting argument, right? Mm-hmm. And I think it's an interesting argument in part because of the way this kind of argument will develop mm-hmm. in the ninth through the nineteenth century. So Wollstonecraft here says exactly what you said that we can't secure equal, we can't secure secure virtue until everyone's included. Mm-hmm. So far, so good, right? But right. the reason we can't is because those people who are excluded drag us all down. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Which is yeah. a really interesting part of it. So by the time you hit really strong abolitionist arguments in the 19th century, right, so these really universalistic mm-hmm. arguments for equality of all souls, the argument goes like this which is a really big change and I think has something to do with the obvious flaws in this argument, right? Like <laughs> it's kind of fucked up to be arguing for equality and then saying like, right, but cause like the poor people are dragging us down. Right. Right. Like it's a, yeah. it's a kind of, it's an, it's a backhanded argument. Right. Or the right? dumb or the whatever. Or right? the whomever. You know, right. Like, yeah. Right. So the abolitionists who really draw on thinkers like Wollstonecraft make the argument, they, they make an adjustment on this argument. They sort of tweak this argument and say, we all have to be equal in order to secure virtue because the inequality of some is a, th- is a threat to the virtue of the people who are empowered, right? So like a hierarchy does moral damage to the people on top of the hierarchy, right? Right. right. Which is like a total tweak of what – it's not yeah. what Wollstonecraft no, says. not at all. But it's related – it's the, the people – the abolitionists who draw on people like Wollstonecraft for these universal human rights arguments are absolutely like – they're like, shit, this is a serious flaw in the <laughs> argument. Right? We've got to fix <laughs> this somehow. <laughs> okay. How do we fix this? Oh, right. It's not that the poor drag us down. Right. Well, that it that is power except that the power of, right? corrupt, yeah, right? I mean, Which like... Wollstonecraft has a couple things in here about power corrupting. But I like this because you can see the way that this argument that we take for granted is an emergent – like it emerges. It doesn't come out fully formed, right? Like sure. it has to be worked on. Like we don't just – 
say equal, right? You know, like we don't just like say all, all men are created equal and voila, we've got perfect arguments for it. Like it takes time to refine ideas. Well, and I mean, I think like, I mean, like we're saying, whether or not it takes time to refine them, it also takes, I mean, we could think about what the ideas are, what the writing, what to what use are the writings being put, right? So like, okay. I mean, if this is like trying to convince um, particular actors, then she may be making a, if she's making a persuasive argument to a set of people, she may think that this argument is going to ha- carry better weight than one that was about the, you know. Well, but also she's, I think also, uh, we'll just keep going a little bit, but she's also, just goes back to what you were saying, um, what what, the, what you were reading a minute ago, that, I mean, part of what happens is you create a class of people who don't possess virtue, right? Right. Like your inequality actually creates a bunch of unvirtuous people. Right, 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 right. right. Conniving, sure. manipulative, right. whatever, yeah. blah, blah, blah. No, it's true. Right. She does actually set it up. She sets that it up way. that way, yeah. right? That like these are, th- they're a threat. Like right. you've made a threat to your own status. It's, yeah, yeah. That's right. Fun. All right, 178. But in order to render their private virtue a public benefit, uh-huh. they must have a civil existence in the state. Whoa. Married right? or single. Else we shall continually see some worthy woman whose sensibility has been rendered painfully acute by undeserved contempt droop like the lily broken down by a plowshare. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Right. So here she just comes out and says what was alluded to earlier. Right. Do we need women need to have a... Some kind of civil status. Civil status in the state. Yeah. And it doesn't matter if they're married or single. But saying so... With that explicitness, mm-hmm. is not it's that that appears just a couple of times in the text, right? Sure. Like, if you're not reading carefully, you might have missed it, mm-hmm. right? Which is interesting, right? Yeah. Like she's clearly that's clearly what she's about, right? But it's not the overarching, right? When we get to Du Bois in a couple of uh, months or in a month, sorry, two three weeks. Uh, what is All time? time is what, is, what is time anyway? Right. Um, you'll see a lot more focus on developing an argument like this, whereas Wollstonecraft sprinkles it here and there, right. but like doesn't really use it as the main framework around which she builds the rest of it. Right. But she's clearly aiming at this idea of civil equality or civil status. Right. She can't even bring herself to say civil equality. Right. Is the concept equality? Was it in that quote? Um, no. Right. Civil existence. Civil existence. Right. Well, and then she talks about the, I mean, this one is actually like quite, um, I don't know, poignant, I guess, right? I mean, it's like this part where it's like poignant, I don't know, that's probably not the right word, but you know, this, like, part where these people, these women that are, you know, forced into nothing but the domestic sphere who are thoughtful and intelligent mm-hmm, and intellectual, mm-hmm. like, are, like, seen with contempt and yeah. then droop like the lily broken down by the plowshare. I mean, yeah. it's like... Do you know about the Karen meme? Do you know this meme, Karen? I don't, I don't know. I don't think so. You don't know about Karens? 
It's like a real Gen Z meme, according to the internet. Okay. No, I don't think. I think I've missed it. You missed it? You missed it? So the idea... (laughs) I'm like... There's a good Sarah Miller essay in the New York Times about Karens. Okay. Which you would like, because... I like Sarah Miller. Yeah. If you don't know Sarah Miller's writing, you should should check it out. She's very good. It's very funny. Um, Google, you know, you got it. Uh, I think the meme, this meme, this, you guys are probably just dying right now I'm as I'm explaining up. this meme. Yeah, you you look this up. But but there's a certain part in which what you just said there, I feel like the Karen is kind of like what you just described, right? Like is is this figure who is an intelligent, ambitious person who has been confined to a particular role. There's a lot about haircuts and uh, yeah, talking true. to the manager. She's an anti-vaxxer. She's like entitled. She's an alpha suburban mom. All right, here's the know your meme. Yeah, no, good. Karen is a slang term used as an antagonistic female character in memes. Karen is generally characterized as an irritating, entitled woman, sometimes as an ex-wife who took custody of, quote, the kids. <laughs> You don't know this meme yet. No, I, I don't. I've, I've seen, I've seen them. It's like got her, like some lady with a weird haircut and mm-hmm. dye job. I talked to the like, manager like, haircut. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. No, I have not. You haven't encountered this. I have not encountered these. It's not they on your Facebook not, feed. They have not come across my grams or. I think it's a little yeah. more. I think that one's probably a little more in the Reddit land. Yeah, maybe. Right, maybe. I don't don't know. worry, you can you can read some think pieces about whether the Karen meme is problematic. <laughs> yes, like it's a meme. It's of course it's problematic. It came from the internet. It's definitely problematic. Right? So stupid. <laughs> uh, definitely read that Sarah Miller essay on the Karen because I feel like part of I'll definitely read. I, I love Sarah Miller. I feel always. like part of actually what you just described there, this poignancy, gets to the poignancy that I think is underlying the Karen meme. <laughs> I'm not sure I see it, but uh, maybe I'll. Well, I'll th- we can, really we can check mean, back in. Um, we can check back in next time. Yeah, you know, maybe this is maybe this is going to blow up the Blackboard forum. Like maybe everyone's going to be talking about this Karen meme in the Blackboard forum. All right, hit us with a new one. I'm sorry, I was just reading a bunch of Karen memes. I don't. That's pretty weird. It's definitely I'm, I'm moving, weird. Moving on. Definitely I'm not gonna weird. Going to go on an internet deep dive right while we're in a podcast here. Okay, 174. We're almost out of cards. That's okay. We're almost out of time. The preposterous distinctions of rank, which render civilizations a curse, by dividing the world between voluptuous tyrants and cunning, envious dependents. Whoa. We got, she's definitely on to this, like, that the the only way for the woman is to be cunning and, you know, whatever. It's pretty dark. It's pretty dark. Um... Keep going. All right. So by dividing the world between voluptuous tyrants and cunning envious dependents corrupt almost equally every class of people because respectability is not attached to the the discharge of the relative duties of life but to the station. And when the duties are not fulfilled, the affections cannot gain sufficient strength to fortify the virtue of which they are the natural reward. All right. What did you see in this one? This one's a bit... Hard to parse on the fly. 
I see a lot there. I see a lot. I see a lot of concepts here. I see the strong urge to equality, right? So, so, but kind of buried a little bit, right? Like it's not like coming straight out for it, but it is. Does she use the word? Then no, she doesn't. Does well preposterous distinctions of rank. Sure. Yeah. Okay. Is a way of saying we're all equal. Yeah. Right. And the preposterous – this is where she comes back around, right? She's got Rousseau in mind all the time, right? The preposterous distinctions of rank, which render civilization a curse. That's – yes, 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 Rousseau, right? That's, that's absolutely okay. Rousseau. They divide the world into voluptuous tyrants and cunning, envious dependents, right? This is like the – this is like right toward the end of the text. Mm-hmm. And here she's saying – no, Rousseau, like the problem is, do you remember that weird ass state of nature that you imagined where like suddenly women were in the cabin taking care of everything and men were out hunting? That's the problem. <laughs> like it began there, dog. Uh-huh. Right? That's what she's saying there. And this, this fundamental problem here, this division between the voluptuous tyrant, the man, yes, and the cunning dependent, the wife, this is what corrupts every class of people because respectability is not about the relative duties of life. Like you don't gain status through discharging the relevant duties of life. You gain status through all kinds of other sorts of uh, 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 stations in life. Other You see what I'm talking about? That's in the. She's saying you should be judged. But that's the bad part when respectability is not attached to the discharge of the relative duties of life. Correct. That's bad. Yeah. That's bad. When you get respectability without contributing shit. Right. Exactly. You're the problem. Then when we were saying it, I got a little confused momentarily. But yeah. Yeah. Like you got to do your duties, and that's what makes you meaningful. Correct. Yeah. Correct. And. The way that men cut women off from those duties, right, is the ultimate source of corruption. Right. But then she gets weird into these affections. I mean, she's, like, so weird on these, like, what's the appropriate thing that you can have an affection for? It's a little tricky, right? Because when the duties are not fulfilled, the affections cannot gain sufficient strength to fortify the virtue of which they are the natural reward. But, I mean, I think this is, again, that thing where it's, like, you're supposed to love, like, the dutiful, not the powerful or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And you're supposed to – you what, I mean, the, the marriage that she imagines is one that has passion in the youthful moment and then quickly dies down <laughs> to people, like, doing shit. Just talking about stuff and doing – Not talking duties, about stuff. Doing, doing the duties to the world. It's, like – it's like what she imagines is, of course, you're like young and in love and you like hopefully you're attracted to someone and that like brings you close to them. But as soon as you like have a get kid, over that <laughs> get and over you should do it real quick, like you can get down to that business that God put you here for. Uh-huh. Right. Sure. And like forget about all of that youthful passion that you ever had. Right. Uh-huh. Like she's not fretting about like a boring dead marriage in middle age. Right. right? Like, you know, that's not at all her concern. Yeah. In fact, in fact, 
That's the goal. Right. <laughs> That's the goal. A boring dead marriage. Not a dead marriage. Just one w- without passion. Right? One where like you like But the sh- the affections are the natural reward of doing your duties. So I feel like it's like whatever you it's They're like different affections. The duties are I don't know. Anyway. I don't want to get too into that. She loves what Wollstonecraft loves is chore buddy life and professional help meet life. Yeah. Right? Like you guys are taking care of a household, raising a kid together. That's beautiful. But I feel like that should also generate your affections. And of course it generates affections. Because it's like you guys just went and you went and did some public service. And so now we feel fondly toward one another. Right? But it's like all fondness, right? There's no like. Yeah. Well, I mean, she's not going to be talking about anything. Passions? Else. No, I mean. No. Anyway. Well, she doesn't even, I mean, furthermore, she doesn't really believe in them. I mean, they're a problem to be tamed. Right. That's what I mean. Yeah. All right. 179. This is our last one, right? It is. Would men but generously snap our chains and be content with rational fellowship instead of slavish obedience? Mm-hmm. They would find us more observant daughters, more affectionate sisters, and more faithful wives, Whoa. more reasonable mothers. In a word, this is weird, better citizens. Right? Isn't that crazy? Yeah. Isn't this the craziest part of the whole thing? Yeah, that's pretty like, wild. the last pages of the text. It gets so crazy. So crazy. And it's like the, what, that... Why is that so crazy to you? Well, it's like that list of things <laughs> yes. did not seem like it was going to end in better citizens, right? right? Like, right? It's like that was not a list that made me be like, citizenship is on. We are building to citizenship yeah. here. Yeah, it's one of the things that I love about this text. Amazing. I love it. All right, we should then love them. We, the men, the women, I don't know. We should then love them with true affection because we should learn to respect ourselves. And the peace of mind of a worthy man would not be interrupted by the idle vanity of his wife, nor the babes sent to nestle in a strange bosom, having never found a home in their mothers. She's worried about like how nannies raise and governesses raise oh, the, the right, kids sure. of the rich. Okay. Okay. Big no-no for her. Okay. She worked as a governess herself. Interesting. Right. Interesting. So well, we're better weird. citizens because we're better wives and mothers, yeah. right? I mean, that's what she says. Isn't that Dude. wild? Yeah. Observant daughters, affectionate sisters, faithful wives, and reasonable mothers. In a word, better citizens. Word, Isn't that the craziest shit ever? Yeah. Like, what a weird ending. That's very weird. Twist. Talk about a twist ending. But then it's weird, too, that it goes back to, like, governesses and nursing and, like, you've just concluded this one sentence with better citizens, which was, like, a real, like, one-two punch. You're like, whoa! And then, like, we're talking about nursing in the next sentence. It's, like, very mm-hmm. bizarre. And what makes that so bizarre to you? To you? Well, you've just turned the supremely private into the public. Right. Right, you've just transformed the, your your status in the private into a public role by calling, saying, "A sister is the best citizen." Right. Right. Okay. And then it's like it goes from there to something about self-respect, basically. Right. right. Which again, you're like, right. okay, we're building on citizens, 
okay, we've like transitioned into citizenship and now we're like citizens and self-respect and like, and then we're back to like the worthy man not being interrupted by the idle vanity of his wife where we're like, okay, you've talked about this quite a bit. So like, Uh I don't know why we're bringing it back here again, but like, fine. But then it's like the babe sends a nestle in the strange bosom, which I mean, maybe if I was reading this in context, but I mean, it just is like really out of the blue where I'm just like, yeah. So there's a whole stream. Of... And then we're also like, oh, the ahead. other thing is that it ends, if we just look at the last words of those two sentences, it's like the first sentence ends with citizens and then the next sentence ends with mothers. Right, right. So there's a whole stream of thought that we call Republican motherhood. Oh, right. right. You remember this right. at all? Yeah. Baby. So the whole Republican motherhood was this very night, was this very like 18th and 19th century women's rights discourse right. that was about how, right. It was it, what we would call later. It would, I mean, no, it's not right. We wouldn't call it later, but it's a subspecies of what would later be called kind of like a difference feminism. Right, which uh-huh, is like right. yeah, women yeah, and yeah, men yeah, are yeah. really different, right. but like we need those differences. Right. This goes back a little to Adams, right? That women Jane Adams are is like all right, over the, the Republican yeah, motherhood yeah. trip, yeah. right? But it's this idea that like what the world needs are like these particular and peculiar right. skills, skills and of talents yeah. of. I think it's weird. Okay, so here's why it's so jarring: is okay. that if this if this had been coming out of Jane Adams's text, which I mean I see some resonance with, so I mean it's not, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but. It wouldn't surprise me because I'd be like, okay, she's been like making this argument that like the city is like the home. And so like, okay. of course, a woman should be in public because really the public is just like the private. It's like a one-two punch of like, right. We... So like, then I would be like, okay, of course, we're like going back and forth between like the domestic and the public because part of her argument seems to me to be built on this like this fact that like managing the domestic should be seen and managing the household is actually like managing the city, right? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. This one has been like, I mean, I've read the, the quotes that you have selected for me right. as like, like, like screw emotion. Yeah. Like, it's all about reason. Yep. Like, what we need is more thinking and yep. like more thinking will like get rid of like affection and um, right, this whole nine yards. And then to end with this part where we're like, but really one of the main problems with society is that, like, babes are, like, who's dinging? It's your mom texting us both right now. It's going to be long. Thing? It's going to go for a while. We better silence who's, these. Why is who's dinging? Do I think ding? it's my computer dinging. Oh, that's weird. Sorry, guys. Um, it's definitely my computer yeah. dinging. I don't know if you're going to get this in the podcast. But yeah. you're definitely going to get us distracted yeah. by distracted the dinging. Distracted by my, I mean, my mom may send, like, I have to. 50. I mean, 50. not 50, but 10. I mean, there might 15? be. 15? 15. I mean, it's possible. She made a lovely dinner of Moroccan vegetables tonight. I can tell you that. <laughs> that was earlier texts that I got. Um, anyway, she's awesome. She's by herself. I've been texting with her a lot because I'm very worried about her. And uh, yeah, so anyway, I was afraid it was actually. I'm actually kind of relieved it's my mom because. I was sort of thinking that maybe it was like this nine-year-old boy that sometimes texts our daughter at like all hours, and so I was thinking that it was. Her. It's just happy birthday wishes to me. Oh, that's nice. Not even to you. It's just to me. That's very nice. Yes, it's very nice. My grandmother called me today. That was lovely. She's was... in her nineties. Yeah. 
retirement she, community. I, I was about to ask you how she was doing. We can talk about that later. We were actually still on the podcast. They've already turned it off. <laughs> like, uh, goodbye. Anyway, guys. Uh, anyway, so in some, I think it's pretty weird that she ends with the better motherhood. Yeah, it is. It's, a, it's an unusual component of the text. And the only thing that I can say to sort of wrap it up is that unlike unlike in the American context, and Americans loved her, by the way, American feminists of the 19th century loved Wollstonecraft. She's British. She's British. Is that, you know, her, there's a couple other places where she clearly makes reference to a more aristocratic, um, more like courtly world of politics, Mm -hmm. which certainly where this kind of like conniving, manipulative, Yeah, I subservient, definitely see that as like palace intrigue. Palace stuff, intrigue. Like, is, But yeah. that's part of the public world that she imagines and part of the political world she imagines, not like the city of like 19th century Chicago, right? Like she's partly imagining like these, you know, polo playing. I don't know if they played polo in the 18th. I don't know when we invented polo. We've been talking a lot about polo lately. I don't know why. Um <laughs> She's certainly imagining these more aristocratic scenes with lots more intrigue, right? When she's imagining the public, and that's one of the only ways that I can imagine, like that I can think about why the particular kind of underpinnings of her Republican motherhood take this view, not like a civic housekeeping. I mean, in a way, it's like the problem. No, the- I get why they get us there. It's just as jarring to be like the better mothers. Could and, solve this, but also problem. that it's that it's associated with the body, like it's associated with nursing. I mean, like mm-hmm. she's like she's. I mean, at first, I see the mother. Oh, I, that's what you think is jarring is that yeah. she's like better mothers nurse their own fucking young. She just described the the when we snap out of our chains when the men, whatever, snap the chains. Mothers are more reasonable, mm-hmm. right? Right. I mean, so like this is like this is not like because the they mothers nurse their aren't babies, <laughs> right? What? No, is that like, what you're saying? No, well, like, this is not like a mother's become more loving, right? Where then that if you, like, if what happened when the chains are broken is that you had, like, actually a more loving mother than if you were, like, mm-hmm. nursing the babe at her breast, like, I'd be like, okay. But, like, you just said that the mother was more reasonable, and then you ended this with, like, nestling a strange bosom. like Right, which is not is super just, rational, right? That relationship, zero rational. Right, the relationship between I've mothers. nursed a baby. Zero percent rational. Zero percent rational. Right. I think maybe the more you add the rational, the worse you are. <laughs> Which was not my problem, actually. I was, I was fine with that. But it's definitely not rational. Mm-hmm. It's, like, decidedly unrational. Yeah. Um, we should, you know what we should do sometime? Maybe we should have a bonus app where we get your mom. <laughs> to talk about To talk podcast. about Wollstonecraft. <laughs> yeah. That would be a trip. That would be a total trip. That would be a total trip. It would have to be virtual, though. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we could, we could get her in here somehow. Anyway, um... That's Mary Wollstonecraft. I think that's taken us through all of the assigned reading, and I hope that you enjoyed uh, dipping into her text. I think it's a really fascinating one and just reaches so many things, right? It reaches back to Rousseau and reaches forward to Marx and um, 
for her own part, she was really influential in a lot of, I mean, John Stuart Mill, classic father of liberalism, sure, super yeah. influenced by Mary Wollstonecraft, right? Uh, his own marriage is really influenced by Mary Wollstonecraft, his mm-hmm. personal life. So, I mean, just a super important and, and really fun thinker. Uh, so I hope you hope you enjoyed it. And um, I look forward to reading your papers on Hobbes and Rousseau. And I'll look forward to, I hope some of you write about Mary Wollstonecraft for your research papers. Um, next time that you hear this voice in this particular format or these two voices together, you know, chopping it up, chopping it up. it'll be about Karl Marx, Exciting. which I think will be Exciting. really fun. I think it'll be really fun. And, um, you know, for me, this is approaching the fourth week without a face-to-face conversation. So I hope you are doing as well as I am, if not, maybe even a little better. Um, All right, everybody. Have fun. Be safe.